This is The Future This Week. On Sydney Business Insights, I'm Sandra Peter. And I'm Kai Rima. Every week we get together and look at the news of the week. We discuss technology, the future of business, the weird and the wonderful, and things that change the world. Okay, let's roll. The future this year, the most interesting, the weird and the wonderful, what's in store for 2018, and the Christmas story. I'm Sandra Peter, I'm the director of Sydney Business Insights. I'm Kai Rima, professor at the Business School and leader of the Digital Disruption Research Group. So Kai, it's that time of the year. What happened in the future this year? A lot. Indeed, we've covered over 120 news stories this year in 42 episodes of the future this week. And a shitload of other stories that we brought up along the way. So how did we end up doing this? I ask myself that every week. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that was Megan, our editor, from the back of the room. So we've been having these conversations about what the news of the week mean for the future of business and how do we understand what's happening behind the news. Well, we've been sitting around coffee shops and discussing things and someone said, well, you should record this and, you know. We did for the next year. So we thought it's time, close to Christmas, and since this is the last episode of the year, to look back over some of the stories. What are the ones that we've discussed a lot? What are the most interesting? Which do we think are the most important ones? Which are weird and wonderful? Which are a little scary, disappointing, surprising? We've had more than 20 robots that we discussed. And we need to have a robot of the year. We need to award the Gisera Award. And we need to figure out what's going to happen next year. Yeah, well, we all know, and we've discussed it previously, predictions are bullshit, but we're going to do it anyway, right? So we had a number of stories that kept coming back time and time again this year. Yeah, obviously we talked a lot about AI. We talked about self-driving cars. We talked about the environment and batteries a surprising number of times. Taxes came up quite a bit. Cities, we talked about moving to the cities to battle climate change. The Hyperloop is Uber and self-driving cars changing our cities. Bike sharing. City experiments. And the value of the curb just recently. We also talked quite a surprising number of times about going into space. Yeah, we talked about growing food, like on the Martian. The Australian Space Project. And Elon Musk trying to flee the robots into space. Asgardia, the space nation. Yeah, that was a weird one. We talked a whole lot about Elon Musk. We ended up with a segment, It's a Musk. And AI, there was a lot of AI. And interestingly, the AI story changed a lot across the years. So there was a lot of news that we saw early on that sounded scary. AI is going to take over the world, you know, the jobs will all gone. And so it's a very kind of negative story. And it took a while, but during the it year... It was ruining sports. Bundesliga. Yes. But then during the year, the narrative in the media changed. There were more balanced, more measured approaches to discussing AI. And some of the early stats were questioned. Would 40% of all jobs really disappear? And we had some really significant stories about the real problems of AI, about bias, about the computer says no, the cases of the Irish engineers who couldn't pass the English language test. We talked about the big five companies deflecting responsibility, blaming the algorithms. We talked about privacy and artificial intelligence. We explored a number of times how would we think about regulating AI. So overall, this started out with a very techno-positive slant. AI is taking over the world and there will be lots of fallout. 
But over time, we've learned that it's not quite that simple. And a lot of the real problems behind AI are actually quite complex and need unpacking. And we had to do that a number of times. It's not something easily done and it's not something readily captured in a tweet. It's the gift that kept on giving. So every week there were stories to choose from. So in today's special, we're going to go over some of the most interesting, most important Weird, wonderful, out there, scary, surprising, disappointing Okay, So let's let's start. Let's start. What's your most interesting story of the year, Sandra? Well, I've struggled with this from digital humans to garbage. There's so many. There's just so many of them. I think I'm going to land on China stories. We've done a couple of stories on the fact that there is no email in China. just doesn't make sense in a country that has gone straight to mobile. We've recently talked about the digital Silk Road. So all these stories coming together to say how the internet is actually different in China. Which also means that we often discuss the big five in the West and the big three in China as separate stories because there's a surprising lack of intersection between those digital worlds of China and the West. And since we're doing the future this week. Just this morning, TechCrunch announced that Google is opening a China-based research lab focusing on artificial intelligence. In a country where its products are banned, Google is going to open an artificial intelligence lab. So this is again highlighting this idea that what's happening there is actually quite important. And initiatives like the Digital Silk Road, this idea of building digital infrastructure, trade agreements, and so on for China's digital exports, will come back, I think, again and again. But this was one of the most interesting stories for me. Okay, I had a few. So first of all, we discussed a lot about Instagram and there was a lot in there, the way in which Instagram shapes the physical world, in which what happens in your apps and online actually has an influence on our taste. So we had this story on the 2nd of June, how machine logic infiltrates human taste. So that was interesting. But two stories stood out for me. Fake Milk, the story we had on the 10th of March, which for me is incidentally, and I'll just make it into a category, the best story with the least listen. So it's an early episode, which a lot of people haven't caught up on, but the Fake Milk story for me is one worth re-listening. So this was a story about who owns what milk is, with lots of plant-based so-called milk products like almond milk and Rice milk, soy milk, coconut milk. Yeah, but are they milk? Right, so that's the argument. Milk is really something that comes from an animal. Can plant-based products be milk? Who gets to own what milk is? How do we shape the ontology of everyday life? How do we actually innovate in categories where we try to make a point of having something different that we bring into the category to benefit from the established notion of milk. So I think this is an interesting... Who decides what milk is? Absolutely. So fake milk or not, this is interesting because it comes back time and time again when we innovate and we create new categories. So I thought that was an interesting story. So our milk story was a bit weird. What was the weirdest story for you? Oh, there were a few. There was crows nipping butts. We had some interesting feedback on this one. Are we overthinking this? Yes, you are. But for me, the weirdest two were definitely Asgardia, the space nation. Yeah, I've had that one as well. Yeah, but also, and this came up twice across the year, bullying self-driving cars on the 24th of March. 
in one of our first episodes, we had this artist who had a project capturing self-driving cars by painting weird symbols onto the street. And then we had this discussion about self-driving cars being released into Manhattan and worries that people would bully self-driving cars into breaking. That's a story from the 27th of October. So what was your weirdest one? Asgardia was definitely on my shortlist. Asgardia was the space nation story. The idea of new institutions or new inventions that come up at the fringes, often driven by this ideology of freedom of information sharing or working against the establishment. And they're often initially dismissed as bullshit or irrelevant. But quite often those things come up then in the form of quite serious innovation. And we've seen that with Bitcoin. And while we discussed Asgardia at the beginning of the year, there's an update because just a few days ago, Asgardia or the Russian billionaire Igor Ashobeli, who is behind this initiative, announced that they had successfully launched their first satellite. And so they are actually in possession of their own territory in space now. And all the implications of that back in our 16th of June episode. But for me, the weirdest and most wonderful story was another one we've done in June when in the south of France, the French were training golden eagles to spot drones and perform mid-air takedowns of rogue drones. And a very, very sad update to the eagle story. Police in the Netherlands who were ready to deploy a team of eagles to take down rogue drones said that they've now stopped using the birds because training them turns out to be more expensive and more complicated than anticipated. No shit, Sherlock. Yep, that was in The Verge yesterday. So these Big eagles taking down drones. That's pretty scary, right? Yeah, I think we should pick a scariest story of the year. So for me, the scariest one was a development over the year when we learned just how powerful the so-called Frightful Five are and the accidental damage that they do with their algorithms in promoting right-wing propaganda, in creating echo chambers, getting so-called presidents elected. And there was a standout story for me on the 1st of September about Facebook and how Facebook secretly gathers information that we're not aware of to then recommend contacts to us with which we had recent contact in the physical world. And it borders on the outright creepy to think where Facebook might be getting this information. To me, I think the scariest story is one that's been coming back again and again. One time was back in September, September 8th podcast, this idea of a fake future, the idea of what artificial intelligence can actually do today. And in that episode, we talked about fake reviews and AI was writing totally believable product reviews with really staggering implications when they're indistinguishable from the real deal because humans rate them as believable, but also as useful. And this comes along other stories like the fake Russian Facebook accounts, researchers from the University of Washington having recently released fake videos. This is President Obama appearing to very convincingly be saying things that he has been made to say. We can realistically now create fake videos. Just last week, there was another news that NVIDIA has again made steps towards the fake future where they've created AI capable of creating images of people out of thin air and now one that can change the weather very convincingly, turn day into night, even change a leopard's spots. Fake future. That's my scary story. And in The Verge, just two days ago, an article 
AI tools will make it easy to create fake porn of just about anybody. There you have it. So which category does that go into? Weird, wonderful, scary. Or disappointment of the year. I think we should definitely reflect back on 2017 because there have been quite a few disappointments this year. So my biggest disappointment of the year would be wearables. So looking back at the year and how we started out, this looked like a promising category. We were discussing Apple Watch and Fitbits and all of the excitement around wearables. But this topic has all but disappeared. So Apple is supposedly selling a fair few of their Apple Watches, but the narrative around what wearables are and what they can become and that they are the new killer application that will carry the tech industry has completely not played out that way. They certainly haven't become a mainstream topic. For me, one of the big disappointments of the year has to be Watson. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I changed my mind. We discussed this quite recently, and it was Watson for Oncology, who far from delivering the AI-derived insights for cancer treatment that it was hyped to be, turned out to be no more than a mechanical perk. Whilst using artificial intelligence, it relied really heavily on a small panel of experts from one New York hospital. And all the treatment recommendations failed to deliver on the hype that AI promised yeah absolutely field of cancer treatment yeah and while we discussed that ai still has a lot to offer in the medical field thinking of image recognition and the like it turns out that ibm has promised too much and that progress in this field is slower than expected very disappointed at also the risk that this sort of Overpromise and overhype will discredit the notion of machine learning in healthcare where we desperately actually need more investment and more people supporting this so that it can become the tool that it was promised to be. Let's talk about something slightly happier. Yeah, so Watson was a bit of a surprise as a story, but there were other surprises. So what's your surprise of the year? Well, my surprise of the year would have to go back to your disappointment around wearables. Disappointing indeed wearables had one small niche surprise to deliver. And that was last week. The Cardia Band was the first Apple Watch accessory to be FDA approved in the US. You would replace your normal Apple Watch band and it would use sensors and the Cardia app to monitor heart rate and do EKGs on the fly. And one of the cardiologists at UCLA School of Medicine who's been involved in this said this is really a paradigm shift for cardiac care and as well as huge advance in healthcare. Today, EKGs can only be done in offices and hospitals with complex equipment, and usually only after you've had a stroke, for instance. But now you could do it from your Apple Watch. So this is a small step in the direction that we would like to see wearables move. That was my surprise of the year. What was yours? Oh, okay. So... I was really surprised by just how labor-intensive this whole algorithmic business is. We've talked about click farms back on the 19th of May. Oh yeah, that was the story where people had these farms of iPhones and were clicking one at a time on different apps to try to move them in the top-rated apps and so on. Yeah, so just the length to which people go to employ people, sometimes robots, to game the systems by which to earn advertising dollars, for example, but also conversely, the number of people, and we're talking in the thousands here that are employed by Google and Facebook, to weed out just the tip of the iceberg of the most crude results that algorithms surface around placing inappropriate ads next to videos, 
Yeah, indeed, we discussed Facebook employing, I think it was eight and a half thousand people to help with this effort. And the sheer numbers that seem to actually not be making a huge difference. That was completely surprising to me, just how many people are employed to weed out the most obvious mistakes that these algorithms are making. I was not prepared for this. Yes, well, we were not prepared for a few things that we've discussed this year. One of those was Juicero. Yeah, this has led to a whole new category that we've discussed, the Juicero Award. The Juicero Award, for the most unapologetic use of technology to solve a trivial user problem resulting in hilarious outcomes. But this year, because it's the inaugural Juicero Award of the year, it would have to go to Juicero. The lavishly designed $700 juicer that was capable of squeezing juice from pre-bagged juice pulp. Let's not forget, this is a Silicon Valley startup that got $120 million from investors and turns out users could squeeze the packets with their hands and turn the content into juice slightly faster than the machine could. And has become an exemplar for the kind of absurd, hyped innovation that isn't. Where we give huge sums of money to solve problems we don't actually have. Well, which brings us to our next award. Robot of the Year. And there have been many robots to choose from. We've had agricultural robots. We had the apple harvesting robot. We had Intellos, the weed guard. We had Turtle, the weed wecker. We had the Bosch one, which actually made it to the very top of my shortlist. The one that would punch wheat to death in the tenth of a second. It physically would punch them back into the ground. We had robots that patrol public places, like Leo and Kate that help visitors at the airport, the Dubai Robocop, and the poor night scope guard that drowned itself in a shopping mall pond. We had robots dueling, we had the sumo robots, we had Eagle Prime, the battle of the biggest, baddest robots in the world. We had robots dancing in synchronicity. And we had little toys, Kubo, the tail-wagging cat robot, the stormtrooper, the Kuri companion, and Floppy, the human touch hand robot. But the robot of the year fairly and squarely goes to the first ever robot we discussed the one that incidentally set off this whole category, which is still the best robot we've come across. Which was in our 1st of April episode. A robot that was burning Donald Trump's tweets as they happen. It would print out a Trump tweet on a piece of paper. It would then burn it, also video record it and tweet it back to at real Donald Trump. I burned your tweet. A worthy winner in our category. So it's been a big year. Even with 120 stories, there's still some we actually missed. We almost missed Bitcoin. Yeah, that's the one that almost slipped through. We had a go at it last week. We still haven't quite caught up with blockchain, but that's a big one that will come back next year. But there's one other topic which we think we haven't discussed and we haven't given due credit to. And that's one that is emerging, that it's not on everyone's radar, but will have a big impact. It has to do with biology and genetics and technologies that allow genetic material to be modified, added, removed, altered. So things like CRISPR. 
we haven't talked about those. So for the first time this year, scientists have actually managed to make precise changes in DNA. CRISPR stands for, for what it's worth, Clustered Regularly Interspaced Short Palindromic Repeats. So spelled CRISPR, and it refers to a family of DNA sequences in bacteria. And this can be used for what's known as genome editing or genome engineering, which is a way of DNA editing in living organisms with a lot of potential for curing of diseases. And in general, genetic editing of not only humans, but viruses, bacteria, animals, plants. So a whole field of biotechnology with huge ethical implications. Potentials for creating personalized medicine or editing out genetic defects in humans. A very big story that I'm sure we'll come back to in 2018. Speaking of 2018, Sandra, what do you think are the main stories that'll come back next year? You know, how about some prediction? Well, topics with most potential for 2018. I think distributed ledger technologies will come back. Blockchain, in other words. This is being discussed in relation to a range of industries and it has the potential to transform how we do a lot of things. I'm sure this will come back in 2018. It might coincide with the end of Bitcoin, but it doesn't mean that the underlying technology will not make an impact in other fields. For me, what is likely to be a topic next year and going forward is trust in algorithms. We see a lot of discussion of AI in surveillance, control, privacy. China is rolling out face recognition with 2 billion faces in a database that will allow recognition of faces in public places in a matter of seconds. The tech companies know so much about each of their users. And a lot of this is painting a concerning or a scary future. So I think we're likely to see some form of backlash where people will question the trust that they place in those algorithms, in those systems. Something else that I think we'll look at a lot in 2018 will be on the boring side of things. We've talked about boring innovation before on The Future this week. We've looked at it in the context of companies that are just doing the right thing, companies like eBay that are fairly boring. We've talked about it in terms of 3D printing, for instance, moving from the sexy SpaceX and G aviation to the bulk of manufacturing industries and so on. So I think 2018 might be a year where we want to turn a bit towards the more boring things, back to batteries or infrastructure or things that are not hype, they're not sexy, but there are actually real changes that these technologies will bring about in the way we live our lives. So other topics that we might see more of is uh, quantum computing. We might not be there yet with that one. So another category that will have its make or break moment in 2018 is augmented reality and virtual reality. Companies investing a lot in this space and it remains to be seen whether they can actually come up with something truly useful. But Kai, which topic do you want to be big in 2018? I really would like to see innovation in sustainability and en environmental technology, energy, to make its breakthrough. I want to see a narrative whereby renewables are now taken to be the normal form of energy and coal and others have to justify their existence. So I want this paradigm shift to happen. 
I want AI to actually deliver on its promise. I want things like Watson for Oncology to actually change the way we do healthcare. I want artificial intelligence to deliver on the huge promise that it has to make our lives better rather than a lot of the gimmicky applications that we've seen so far or them being employed to fuel business models that are actually not the best thing. Which will require for AI to actually find its space and for us to continue the discussion of where AI can actually make an impact and where it might be slightly out of its depth. So because we're close to Christmas, I think we should end on an AI application. It has, after all, been the thing that has kept coming back this year. This is story time on the future this week. So on the future this week, the last Harry Potter book. The new, the last, the final Harry Potter book. This is an article in CNET titled Harry Potter chapter written by bots is magically terrible. So this is reporting on an innovation by Botnik Studios, who've created what they call a predictive keyboard. So this is an app that can be trained with text from certain fields, certain areas. So you feed this machine learning apparatus with a body of text, in this instance with the seven Harry Potter books. And then when you write with this keyboard, the AI will make suggestions for what should come next. So it will suggest text fragments that are in the style of writing that you're writing. And so I'm citing Botnik CEO and co-founder James Brew here. Our web keyboard app analyzes text files and offers the most common word sequences as suggestions to the human users to help them write in the style of the source material. A bunch of writers in the Botnik community got together in an online chat room and pitched lines they wrote using the keyboard. Our editorial team cobbled these fragments together into the full Harry Potter chapter from which Sandra and I will now read. So this is Harry Potter and the portrait of what looked like a large pile of ash. That's the title the AI came up with. Chapter 13. The Handsome One. The castle grounds snarled with a wave of magically magnified wind. The sky outside was a great black ceiling which was full of blood. The only sounds drifting from Hagrid's hut were the disdainful shrieks of his own furniture. Magic. It was something that Harry Potter thought was very good. Leathery sheets of rain lashed Harry's ghost as he walked across the grounds toward the castle. Ron was standing there and doing a kind of frenzied tap dance. He saw Harry and immediately began to eat Hermione's family. Ron's Ron shirt was just as bad as Ron himself. If you two can't clump happily, I'm going to get aggressive, confessed the reasonable Hermione. What about Ron magic? offered Ron. To Harry, Ron was a loud, slow and soft bird. Harry did not like to think about birds. Death Eaters are on top of the castle, Ron bleated, quivering. Ron was going to be spiders, he just was. He wasn't proud of that, but it was going to be hard to not have spiders all over his body after all is said and done. Look, said Hermione. Obviously there are loads of Death Eaters in the castle. Let's listen in on their meetings. The three complete friends zapped onto the landing outside the door to the castle roof. They almost lagged it, but witches are not climbing. Ron looked at the doorknob and then looked at Hermione with searing pain. I think it's closed, he noticed. Locked, said Mr. Staircase, the shabby-robed ghost. 
They looked at the door, screaming about how closed it was and asking it to be replaced with a small orb. The password was... Beef women! Hermione cried. Harry, Ron and Hermione quietly stood behind a circle of Death Eaters who looked bad. I think it's okay if you like me, said one Death Eater. Thank you very much, replied the other. The first Death Eater confidently leaned forward to plant a kiss on his cheek. Oh, well done, said the second as his friend stepped back again. All the other Death Eaters clapped politely. Then they all took a few minutes to go over the plan to get rid of Harry's magic. Harry could tell that Voldemort was standing right behind him. He felt a great overreaction. Harry tore his eyes from his head and threw them into the forest. Voldemort raised his eyebrows at Harry, who could not see anything at the moment. Voldemort, you're a very bad and mean wizard, Harry savagely said. Hermione nodded encouragingly. The tall Death Eater was wearing a shirt that said, Hermione has forgotten how to dance, so Hermione dipped his face in mud. Ron threw a wand at Voldemort and everyone applauded. Ron smiled. Ron reached for his wand slowly. Ron's the handsome one, muttered Harry as he reluctantly reached for his. They cast a spell or two and jets of green light shot out of the Death Eater's heads. Ron flinched. Not so handsome now, thought Harry as he dipped Hermione in hot sauce. The Death Eaters were dead now and Harry was hungrier than he had ever been. Happy holidays and a happy new year. That's all we had time for this year. See you next year. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. This was The Future This Week. Made possible by the Sydney Business Insights team and members of the Digital Disruption Research Group. And every week right here with us, our sound editor Megan Wedge, who makes us sound good. And keeps us honest. Our theme music was composed and played live on a set of garden houses by Lindsay Pollack. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow us online on Flipboard, Twitter, or sbi.sydney.edu.au. If you have any news that you want us to discuss, please send them to sbi.sydney.edu.au. Thank you.